0: And when we read Paul, the personality of those places that have hurt us can come back and they feel like the personality of Paul. But we can rethink that. Paul does have some harsh rebukes. He uses sarcasm. Rules can feel pretty demanding. But we back up a bit and we can see that he has a range. He has a full character. He's a full person. And I think some of his difficult tone can come because he has some of the same, a similar jealousy for the people of God and a righteous anger of things that come against the faith of the children of God. And we are called to appreciate different personalities around us, aren't we? We aren't called in the church to uniformity. We're not all supposed to sit here and be the same person. That's why I get a little defensive. I mean, I've heard about these um, evaluations that talk about Jesus, what is Jesus Myers-Briggs' personality type? I don't think we have the data for that. And I think it's a little, it's a little dangerous as well to say that there is an ultimate personality type in a unique way. And so we'll get a, to see a view of how Paul expresses and enjoys the gentleness of Jesus. We'll take a look at a couple sections from Paul's life of how Jesus has met with him. What is Paul's story? We have to look first at his conversion, Acts chapter 9, starting at the very beginning of the chapter. Paul is traveling on business to Damascus. He's planning to take prisoner, anyone at the synagogue the synagogue who belongs to the way. In verse 3, As he neared Damascus on his journey, sudden more drama. I want to hear more of how this happened. But what we do see, I have to mention, too, that God did not kill Paul. People come under judgment in the Bible in various ways. But Paul did not meet his end in this encounter. And so because of this encounter, it doesn't take long before Saul starts preaching the gospel He changes his faith, and he changes his name because of this new love in God that he has found. We can see over his lifetime that Paul, he learns and he grows. In his epistles, because of this, he refers to this experience with Jesus as an experience of grace nine times scattered throughout the New Testament. He says that this was a vision of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ much of Paul changes but much does not change he's not wiped away and reset paul had, god had always loved paul and god wanted him back and the same goes for us too just because just the same way that we are all unique we're not all supposed to be wiped away and become the same person our uniqueness doesn't go away as we grow toward god so connecting gentleness. Paul met in a dramatic way the gentleness of a savior and he didn't turn back and he reflects on this in our gospel, in our um, epistle reading today, the lesson. You can hear Paul recounting his story. He's reflecting on his life, the grace of God in it and he says twice in it I was shown mercy. That's his main point. This is the beginning of an interplay between his life and how God interjected into it. God's larger truth about salvation for all people is talked about, and it's specifically pointed to Paul himself. And in telling this story artfully, Paul uses an inclusio. I thought it would be fun to throw out some vocabulary for us. It's a fancy way of saying that He's bookending his story. He sandwiches it between these two similar ideas so that the story begins and ends in the same place. Paul thanks God for what he has done, and in the end, he gives glory to God for who he is. So in that first verse, Paul says that Jesus himself has given him strength. And he's referring to this vision that we spoke of, this vision on the road to Damascus. This is God's calling of him, his teaching of him, and the fact that God chose him. And Paul says that God chose him despite him being a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent person. Paul brings three condemnations on himself with this. But these are beat by three acts of God. God shows him mercy, faithfulness, and love. And so this is the experience that Paul wants to tell. A violent person who was against God is shown mercy, faithfulness, and love. And he connects the things that God has done, specifically in Paul's life, to who God is. God has interceded, but then Paul is ready to tell the world that he does this for everyone. So he gives us this phrase, this saying that we should keep with us, he says, King Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He wants us to live by that. Keep it in your pocket. Remember it. Then after that comes Paul being Paul again, a moment I had to grapple with. He has, makes this beautiful statement, and then he says this negative thing that I had to work through about being the worst. I'm the worst sinner. And I think why that stuck out to me First of all, what does he mean? What he's saying is that he's the most significant sinner of the day. He's the most visible. He would be the most well known of that time. And what what he's ultimately trying to say is that God chose Paul as an example. Paul's communicating that since I'm the prime sinner of today, if God can capture me and take me to himself, then he can take anyone. He loves everyone. So what it sprang up in my mind is that we aren't supposed to sit here and each of us say, I'm the worst sinner. I don't find that to be a holy position. And it has been recommended to me on the basis of this verse that we should each come to this point in our lives where we each feel like the worst sinner. And I just don't find that. In the pages of Scripture, I don't see that in the gentleness of the love of Jesus. The depths of our sin are heavy, and they're real, but there's not a special condemnation waiting for you. So Paul is an example of God's love. If he can save me, he saves everybody. This is a story about Paul, but it's also... Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Paul's reflecting on his whole life in a narrative fashion. He looks at the scope of his life to find his purpose and his motivation. Stories are powerful, and they're not just entertainment. I don't have as much experience of reading and literature as I would like, so I wanted to take this just from a biblical perspective on our biblical training that stories are powerful. Jesus that we encounter in the Gospels, he's less of a theologian and more of a storyteller. He's less likely to tell you these are facts about God, and he's more likely to tell you a parable, to tell you a story about who God is and what God does. God insists in the Old Testament that his people write down the stories of the way he has saved them. And every Passover celebration, the Exodus story is reenacted, the salvation of God's people from slavery. Jesus himself celebrates Passover and the Last Supper, adding his own twists of salvation to it. And over and over again, because of these stories, God asks his people to remember. Remember what I have done so you can keep your purpose, so you cannot lose the plot, as we say here at Trinity. So this is Paul's way of remembering and so what's your story what's our story i think it's important that we think about our lives and our stories on a larger scope than we might usually oftentimes it feels like there's just one more challenge on the horizon i got to finish this thing and then the next one comes and i don't feel like i'm doing very well at any of it but let's zoom out sometimes Take a look at who you are and take a look at your life, the life that God has given you. See that he's with you now and he's active. This is the same God who grants salvation to the whole world. And this will keep us from losing the plot, remembering our purpose. And it's good to talk about this movement of story in Lent because Lent and Easter make up a great narrative, don't they? To put it simply, we're moving from death into life. Do you see yourself in the midst of God's salvation plan? Your life is wrapped up in the love and the work of God on earth. Or do you feel like you're just acting alone, bringing the world back to himself and he wants you to be a part of it? Your life is connected to him always. He's not just waiting for you to do a decent job so you can come to heaven one day. And this narrative is one that we all share. This is the basis of our community, We each unique and gifted and have these special lives and stories to tell, and yet we all share in the same love and connection. So I just want to jumpstart our storytelling process this morning. Maybe it'd be helpful for you to write these things down. Sometime I offer this as just a perspective that we remind ourselves of. Think about your life and the way that it's gone with all of its wild tosses and turns, but it's also connected to an unchanging God. This same God has been there with you the whole time, fighting with you, fighting for you, and he knows us. The psalmist says, List my tears on your scroll. Are they not on your record? God knows your story and is a part of it. And what's happening in your life right now is a chapter. It's important. It's vital. But it's not the whole thing. It's connected to a larger story. There's a larger purpose with bigger themes. And this story goes back even to before the foundation of the world. I'm going to have my baby girl soon. What do you think I'm going to do? I give her everything I have. And I'm just one father of many, aren't I? A frail human. The love of our Father God is so much more. God sustains us now. And he wants just to be with you. Quiet ourselves as we do each Sunday. Close your eyes. Quiet your heart. This moment is just for you and God. Let's pray for a moment. In the presence of God, think about your story. Think about your life wrapped up in the life of God.